Chapter 3 of The Adventures of Diggledy Dan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Adventures of Diggledy Dan by Edwin P. Norwood. Chapter 3 In which Dan releases the animals of Spangleland. As the sun sank to rest behind the tents of Spangleland, on the day following the visit of the pretty lady with the blue-blue eyes, it paused for a moment, as the sun sometimes will, and shot one last long lingering beam towards the little white tent, which, as you will remember, played a part in the beginning of this tale. Had you been near at the time, and possessed some knack at riding sunbeams, you might have mounted this one, and ridden straight through the wee open place that served as a peephole for the wee little eye when the bluebird was first seen in the west for it was through this tiny chink that the sunbeam passed and, having gained entrance, landed plump on the nose of Diggledy Dan. Indeed, it came so suddenly that the clown, who sat hunched over on the top of a gaily painted box, lost in deep thought, mistook it for a bright yellow bee and tried to brush it aside. And then he saw his mistake and, sitting up very straight, glanced upward to the hole in the wall. Oh ho, little sunbeam, so you've come to remind me, he cried. Yes, yes. Now I will put on my hat and wait for the petal watch to tell me the time. As he did so, he noticed that, just as before, all those who were near him were quite fast asleep. And, looking up and then down the inside of the tent, at all the many clowns that had been packed off to slumberland, and all the queer coloured thingamajigs, and all the odd doodads that clowns always keep near, he waited for a sign from the watch. He did not wait long, for soon he felt something tickling the top of his smooth white head, and, removing his hat ever so carefully, there he saw, exactly as the pretty lady had promised, the unfolding petals of a wonderful flower. Surely now, reasoned Dan, it must be half-past twilight. So, slipping down from the box, he tiptoed in and out through the sleeping forms, passed to the open space between the little white tent and all the bigger tents, picked his way among the gaily dressed men and the women who drowsed in the chairs or lay stretched on the grass, and, once clear of them, skipped away as fast as ever his two legs would carry him, in the direction of the great tent where lived the monkeys and tigers and lions and things. Reaching its entrance, he spied all the keepers leaning against the poles of the tent. But they too were asleep, their chins buried deep on their breasts. Then he advanced to the very centre of the vast circle, formed by all the red and golden cages. And at the sight of this funny old clown in the polka dot suit, there went up such a cry from the animals that, for the moment, Diggledy Dan was tempted to skip away even faster than he had come. For never had he heard any such shout, which, but for the fact that the people of the circus were in a very deep sleep, must have wakened every one of them. But the keepers slept on, and soon Dan came to realise that the voices were joining in a sort of chant. Putting his head to one side, he listened ever so intently, and then a great smile broke over his face, for gradually the chant took form. Yes, it was quite distinct now. The animals were shouting, in almost as many keys as there were voices, Dan, Dan, Diggledy Dan, 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 Diggledy Dan. And, looking about from cage to cage, Dan saw that all of the animals were standing, their eyes shining, their faces flushed, their mouths working gleefully in the song that sang his name. Then, almost as quickly as it had begun, the chant ended, and all was as quiet as the hush of the twilight. Well, well, began Dan, making four separate bows, one to the north, one to the east, one to the south, and the last to the west. You seem to know who I am. 
Of course we do, answered the mighty chorus. You're Dan, Dan, Diggledy Dan. We've been expecting you the whole day. And who, if I may make bold to ask, told you to expect me? Why, came the shout, it was a little bird. A bird? Never mind the rest, interrupted Dan. I might have guessed without asking. It was the bluebird, of course. So we'll lose no time in retelling old stories, but get down to business at once. And, that he might not be accused of playing favourites, in so far as which animal should be the first to be let out of its cage, the old clown put his feet together, raised himself to the very tips of his toes, shut his eyes very tightly, spun around exactly seven times, and then, with his eyes still closed, followed the end of his long, funny nose until it had brought him to the door of that cage which was nearest it. And, opening the door and his eyes at the very same moment, Diggledy Dan came face to face with Lion. Lion, said Dan, as he took one of the big fellow's paws in both his hands. I am sure that this nose of mine showed extremely good sense in leading me first of all to your door. And now we will take the cages as they come. So Dan, accompanied by Lion, went to the gilded home of Tiger. Then the three of them passed on to that occupied by Leopard, and so on around the great circle, until every single one of the animals had been loosed from its cage. With Dan in the lead, they formed a long winding line, and then, the serpentine entirely complete, moved forward, for all the world like a troop of children playing at lockstep. Round and round they marched, swaying from side to side and singing at the very tops of their voices, with Dan tossing his head from right to left, like the drum major in a band, and holding out the sides of his baggy white trousers, just as clowns oft-times do at the circus. But after the strange procession had paraded three times around the circle, Dan signalled a halt. No, no, let's do it some more, pleaded all the animals. And though he was somewhat out of breath, Dan gave consent, and off they all pranced again, making more of a din than before. But at the farther end of the great tent, the old clown clapped his hands, and the long line stopped in its tracks. And doffing his round, funny hat, Dan saw that the petal watch was all but closed. Quick, quick, there, into your cages, or we'll all be caught, he cried. Monkey, you will go in last, and, meantime, help me close all the doors. And, with Dan scurrying about, and Monkey running so very fast that he fastened two doors to the old clown's one, the task was completed in no time at all. Now, said Dan, after Monkey had been tucked away, I'll say goodbye till tomorrow, and then, at half-past twilight, I'll come again, and will hold a great meeting and lay all manner of plans. In the meantime, remember, not a word to a soul. Not a word to a soul, echoed the animals in chorus. So, swinging his hat as he went, Diggledy Dan danced down the length of the menagerie tent, and then, stopping at the end of it to give a last wave to his friends, disappeared in the depths of the dusk. End of chapter 3 Recording by Julian Prattley